Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I am pleased to introduce my special guest, Andrew Campanella. Andrew is the president of National School Choice Week, the largest public awareness effort in the U.S. focusing on opportunity in K-12 education. With the goal of informing parents of their school choice options, Andrew and his team work with more than 21,000 schools annually, along with thousands of organizations and homeschooling groups. Andrew is the author of The School Choice Roadmap, Seven Steps to Finding the Right School for Your Child, a guidebook that helps parents identify education environments that meet their child's needs. Andrew, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here with us today in this episode talking about this very important subject. Thank you so much, Sue. I really appreciate it. I'd love for you to begin by sharing with our audience what prompted you to do this work. In my opinion, this is such incredible and very valuable work, and, and the book as well, important for parents to have and read to understand more about how to meet their children's needs. How did you begin? That's a great question. And I started working in education 15 years ago. I was working in a completely different field. And one day I was looking at jobs on the internet and I came across a job helping recruit teachers for public school districts. And I knew nothing about education policy except for the fact that I'd been to school myself and my mom is a public school teacher and a great one at that. And so I applied for this job. I was honest about what I didn't know when it came to education policy, they took a chance on me and I learned. And ever since then, I've been working in education, generally on the policy front, but also working with families, letting them know about the options that are available for their children's education. And 10 years ago, a new effort called National School Choice Week was created, and I loved the idea and the concept. And the idea was, let's talk about the options that families have for their children's education, public, charter, private, magnet, online, home, and let's discuss these options in a way that's relatable and understandable and not just filled with jargon. So I got involved with School Choice Week. I became the president of School Choice Week. Our team has worked, as you said, with lots of schools. And throughout these years, these last 10 years, I've met so many families who have said that they wish there was more information out there about choosing a good school or the right school for their child that was presented in a way that wasn't designed uh, to make you feel as if you didn't know what you were doing because parents do know what they're doing. And yet information in education is often filled with so much education speak. So that led me to writing this book. Wow. That's, that's incredible. What a great journey. Thank you for sharing that. And I agree with you. Parents are, there's a lot of confusion. Parents sometimes feel confused about where to go, how to navigate this huge process of picking a school for their child. 
or their children. And every child is so different and so unique and learns in their own way that there's a different school that might be appropriate for each child. And so I'm, I'm curious what you find are some misconceptions around school choice that parents might have and how you can help parents or how you have been helping parents. And of course, how this book helps parents to really unpack those misconceptions and really connect with the child and the needs. The biggest misconception that I hear, and this is not just from people who want to get involved in policy and somehow restrict different school choices for families, but it's also sometimes from parents themselves. And that is the idea that somehow parents don't have the knowledge, the ability, the expertise to make these decisions for their kids. Somehow they don't know enough to be able to choose the right education environment for their daughters or sons. And the reality is that parents are the true experts on their kids. Nobody knows your child better than you do. Nobody understands better where your daughter or son will thrive than you do. And nobody knows the challenges, the strengths, the interests of your kid than, than you. So better than you. So the biggest misconception is somehow that parents don't have the capacity to be in charge of this and that an expert somewhere, a bureaucrat somewhere could make a better decision. Parents are the single best decision makers for their kids in education, just like in every other aspect of life. So that's the biggest misconception. And I hope that through our work at School Choice Week and through this book and through this discussion with you, I can empower as many people as possible to recognize that there's nothing in K-12 education that they can't understand or figure out if they're not just persistent, because you can. It all actually will make sense. The terms that people use in education are sometimes purpose, purposefully confusing, mm -hmm. and we just have to cut through them. The second misconception is a lot of confusion about the different types of schools and how we describe them. So what's the difference between a public and a charter and a magnet school and an online school? And how much do those differences really make? Most parents want to know which schools are free to attend, if their kids have to take tests to get into them, and whether or not they can get their kids to school in the morning with transportation. Hmm. I want to go back to the first misconception because I think you hit on something that is so powerful and, and definitely is my language as well, is that parents are the true experts on their own kids. What I find, and maybe you would agree, is that parents are overwhelmed by the external noises that they hear about what they should do, what they need to do, what's important to do, what the Joneses or Smiths are doing down the street, and forget that they do have all the knowledge and wisdom within and through the experiences day to day, moment to moment with their own children. And so I think that, you know, I just wanted to highlight how, uh, you know, we're in sync and in alignment in terms of this important fact about Absolutely. parenting. And let me talk about briefly two of the loudest external noises that, that you were mentioning. And the first loudest uh, thing that I hear is parents are inundated with information about school grades and scores. And so they see a school in their community or maybe a school that they might be considering and they see a numerical score or a grade score about that school. And you might see a school that has a great grade, but that doesn't mean that your child will thrive in that environment. A lot goes into determining those scores and grades, and they don't predict 
whether or not your child is going to succeed there. There are a lot of other factors in life that will determine whether or not that's a great environment for you. So I encourage you, if you care about those things, make that a piece of your search process, but don't make it the only criteria. Because I've met too many parents who've told me, listen, we moved to a community because there are, quote, great schools here, but for whatever reason, this was a terrible environment for my son or my daughter, and we feel like there's something wrong with us because this school, by all these metrics, is amazing. And the reality is there is nothing wrong with you. The reality is that you can't expect one school to work perfectly for every single child. And that's why there are a lot of different steps and ways you can identify a better environment. The second loudest uh, external noise is just what you said, information from other parents, which can be helpful if it's provided in a constructive and truly uh, supportive way. But just judging other parents' choices and telling them they're making the wrong choice and criticizing them for actually choosing as opposed to keeping their child in a school where they were assigned is not helpful because those other parents and other people in the community, again, don't know your child as well as you do. They know their children well and what might work for their children might not work for yours and vice versa. Yeah, well, well said. And these external forces are so powerful. I, I wanted to share with you, uh, years and years ago when my kids were little, they're young adults now, I used to take school day by day. And, you know, thinking back, I wasn't this wonderful conscious person that I hope to be today. Um, and yet I looked at school moment to moment, day to day. The school was working for me today for my kids. But if it didn't tomorrow, there's always other choices. And I share this with you because when my oldest was in fifth grade, in the middle of October, I pulled my kids out of that school after researching another school, taking them to another school, asking them how they felt. And they both felt that this was a good move. And I moved them in the middle of the year. Yeah. And, and a lot of families want to do that. In some cases, they can't, but they want to. And they evaluate things based on trend lines and not specific incidents. Now, if you have a specific incident that's awful, uh, and you know whether it's bullying or violence in the school or your child, you find out after a year is truly struggling in something and you have not been informed about it, um, you, know, you want to make a quick decision in most cases. In other cases, you look and see, are you having more good days than bad days? Are you having uh, more bad days than good days? Or is it just sort of flatlining? And you evaluate things the way you did, day by day. And I think many parents do that. Yeah. And it, it really helps, I think, to not feel like you have to be locked into anything. I know for me it did, because it made this decision. It, and nothing happened specifically. I just felt like the school my kids were going to was way too small and the walls seemed to be closing in from a social standpoint with my oldest. And no one wants that for their child if the child doesn't feel like they're thriving in, you know, in the social arena. And yeah, I don't and mean being the most popular. I just mean being connected, period. <laughs> right. And I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I think that this could be helpful for folks too. You hear so much out there about the benefits of small schools and small class sizes. And yet, I talk to a lot of families who tell me that their child was in a small school with a small number of students, and it wasn't a good fit for exactly the reason that you described. So listening to what you read in an article or what you might hear from an expert who will say, 
look for a school that has a small student body, that might not work for your child. And, you know, like you said before, it's this external noise that tells people, look for this, look for that, ignore this, ignore that. That is often not the way to go when you're making a choice. And I hope that our work at School Choice Week and through uh, the School Choice Roadmap book will show parents that they really can follow their own intuition better uh, and get a better outcome than if they were to take these nuggets of wisdom from so-called experts and just apply them to their lives. For sure. For sure. And and I think one of the things that came to mind while you were talking is the whole idea of success. What does success really look like? for our children in school? Is it about achievement and the grades or is it about them learning in a way that serves them and thriving in their own right? Absolutely, and I think that parents should determine two lists. One is what they need from a school for their child. And the second is what they want in a school for their child or learning environment because homeschooling is a school too. And I encourage families to consider homeschooling. So I talk about schools and learning environments. And the first list of what you need, parents usually start those sentences when they're talking with me by saying, I need a school where my child will. And usually the answers are, I want my child or I need my child to learn, to be safe, to be happy, and to feel respected and learn the importance of respect. And that all wraps up into success. Um, But families have their own needs and their own specific values and priorities that they would consider needs. So you can determine what success means for your family. It might not be a certain score on a certain test. There are a lot of variables that we all as people use to gauge success and happiness. The wants and the list of wants is much more specific. Do you want a school that has a specific reading curriculum? Do you want a school that provides specific extracurricular activities? Do you want a school that has different wraparound services, a specific lunch program, a specific classroom uh, setup, things like that? And there are a bunch of different questions that parents can ask themselves to help hone those lists. I love what what you just shared. And what it brings up for me is how do we take the ego out of the parental role here from looking at what's best for our child and what, you know, what our ego wants for our child, which is, you know, I want my child to get into the perhaps best college when we're looking at nursery school or first grade um, or something of that nature. That's definitely something that's coming up a lot as I talk about our work. And Um, It makes me laugh a bit, but also I understand because people want what is best for their kids. And it doesn't matter if you are a super wealthy parent or if you're a parent who is on public assistance. You want your child to have every opportunity to succeed. And sometimes you're a long range planner and you want to make sure that every decision you make will set your child up for as much success as he or she could possibly achieve. And that's great. But you have to remember that if you choose a preschool for the purposes of a college admission, you might be uh, doing your child a disservice because if they don't thrive in that preschool and then they don't thrive in elementary school, 
You're not going to get accepted into that great college. So you really have to look at what's going on with your child right now. And how do you strip the ego out of it? My answer is this. The first step in choosing the right school for your child is not thinking about school at all. And it's actually not thinking about your child. It's evaluating your own educational experiences and your own views about education. What did you learn in school? What do you wish you'd learned in school? What did you like most about school? What were your best experiences in school? You bring a lot to this equation. You need to recognize that all of that informs the decisions you're going to make. It also can, at times, blur the lines between what you wanted for yourself or wish you had and what you want for your child. Sometimes those things align perfectly. Other times they're different because you're different. You're a different person. So I ask people to sort of do a deep dive into their own minds, which kind of feels weird, but will help you get it all out. And then you can start focusing on, okay, I've talked about myself. Now I'm going to focus solely on what my child needs and wants. And then you develop your list of priorities. That makes total sense to me because the deep dive is really connecting the parent with their own journey and unpacking that backpack of conditioning, socialization, cultural expectations that may have gone into their own education and being able to see those values and how they're showing up as they begin to look at their child and the needs and wants as you describe them, I think is an enormous gift and is a great way to separate a little bit our ego from you know the actual child in front of us. What was our conditioning? What was the expectation? How were we raised? What did education look like? I love that. Well, thank you. And I'll just give you a personal example um, of, of one of my own hangups. And my own hangup is reading. I love reading. I love writing. It, those are the two things I love. And I had an experience in first grade where I had a teacher ask me to read in front of class. And I was so scared to do it. And I just didn't want to. I didn't want to get up and read this book. It was about ducks. <laughs> mm -hmm. I still remember it. And she put her hand on my shoulder and said, Andrew, you can do this. And I'm going to be there next to you. And I stood up and I started speaking. And Sue, I have not shut up since. So that <laughs> moment in my education has forever impacted me. And when I look at schools, I just wrote an op-ed about the importance of reading. I know that my judgment and my view on education is definitely skewed towards literacy and reading and the importance of those subjects because of that experience that I had in first grade. Everybody in their life, for better or for worse, meaning a good experience or a bad experience, has moments like that. Wow. And that teacher made a huge impact. Mrs. Jarnicky, first <laughs> I was just going to ask, do you remember? Wow. Yes, first grade at the Thomas Sharp Elementary School in Collinswood, New Jersey. She was a fantastic teacher. And it was because of that that I think I have achieved what level of, of professional accomplishments or growth that I've had because I felt confident. It gave me the confidence to do something I didn't think I could do. And I think that moment, far more than in my example, learning multiplication tables or things like mm -hmm. that had an effect on my life. Of course, I had amazing parents and they were diligent and focused and read to me constantly. So they played a key role in all of this. I don't want to leave them out. They're awesome. Um, but for me, that was the moment that, that I remember. And it, it does impact the way I look at education today. I, she believed in you. She believed in you. Right. And my parents did too. And 
confidence can go a long way. And so, you know, we're talking about challenges with literacy, for example. And I've had parents say to me, I don't even know how to crack this. Not, I don't know how to figure out how to get my child on grade level in reading. And, you know, I have to get tough and I have to really be focused. And, and I want to encourage families. If your child is struggling, the best type of coach is also an encourager and a supporter. And you don't want to raise achievement at the expense of demoralizing somebody, a child. And so make them feel like this is something that they can do and that once they can do it, they're going to be happier. I think that's a better way of imparting knowledge than telling people there's an expectation that needs to be met and drilling them until they hate it. Mm-hmm. Of course, again, that is my bias. That might not work for your child. So do what works for your kid. Oftentimes the shaming mode, you know, where we're shaming them into learning uh, is not a successful mode. I, I do have to agree where the believing and the structuring the work in a way that our child's going to feel successful and learn from the successful route little by little at the pace that maybe is more in alignment with the child is huge. Right. And if, you know, every kid is different. And so you might have a student who thrives on achieving goals and it doesn't matter what goal you put in front of them, they want to climb over that hurdle. And so whether it's math or science or literature or history, they're going to learn it, they're going to achieve, and they're going to make you proud. And that is what drives them. You have other students who will thrive better when they can ask questions and pursue interests that are unique to them. And, you know, maybe they're really interested in music. And as a result, what they want to read is stuff about music and they want to read the history of music and the science behind it. And that's how they acquire knowledge. It's through an interest. So these different and learning styles isn't the right word, but it's the one term, but it's one that everybody uses. These different learning styles or ways that people absorb information are different for everybody. And so finding out what works best for your child with the ultimate goal of increasing knowledge, of increasing knowledge attainment is, is important. Yeah. I, I look at it as understanding what fuels or drives our kids and, and what makes them interested learners. And there's a lot of science behind that. It sounds, you know, it sounds new agey in a way, but the reality is the science is there and that when there is inspiration and curiosity, learning and achievement increase exponentially Mm -hmm. because when people want to learn something and they're curious about it, they're far more likely to not just absorb it in the short term so they can pass a test, but to retain it and use it in the long term. And I think that should be the goal of education, uh, in addition to preparing people for real life and their careers and their jobs and to be good citizens and all these things, but actually attaining knowledge, retaining knowledge, using that knowledge is essential. Mm-hmm. And that's the school I want my kids to go to. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so you've identified what you want. So let's, let's talk about the school we want our kids to go to. My, my kids are adults now, so that's, you know, past history. But talk a little bit about um, your book, 
the school choice roadmap, seven steps to finding the right school for your child, and how this guide will assist parents. Sure. So I wrote the school choice roadmap, seven steps to finding the right school for your child, because so many families asked me to provide a resource to them to help them get the school search process started. And I wanted to refer them to something that was online or another resource. And everything I found was too simplistic or outdated. So I decided I would write it. And I've been working in school choice for long enough that, um, that I know what I'm talking about, for lack of a better term. So I set out to do this. And the first part of the book describes the different types of schools that are likely available in many different areas of the country. It, explains without any jargon what's the difference between a traditional public school, whether you're going to be able to choose a traditional public school outside of your zone or in a different district, which usually depends on what state or community you live in. What is a public charter school? What are the entrance requirements for that? Some people think they charge tuition. They don't. Some people think they require tests. They don't. Um, what is a public magnet school? That's a theme-based school focused on science, technology, Mathematics, performing arts, how do you get your child into those? What are online public schools? Do they actually have teachers? The answer is yes. How often do you have to be online? The answer, it varies. <laughs> private schools, the whole landscape of private education, there's so many different types, whether it's an independent private school or a religious private school. So many different options out there, and these schools do charge tuition, but there are so many scholarship opportunities out there whether they're state funded in different states or privately funded that a lot of families wanna know about. And finally, homeschooling. Homeschooling continues to grow every single year by about 3% and more families are educating their kids in the home because that's the choice they want and they make and also because there are more resources out there for homeschooling families today than there ever have been. Everything from online courses that you can tap into to online parent groups to community-based collaboratives, things like that. So the first part of the book talks all about those different options, provides some profiles of some schools that I find really inspiring. The second part of the book goes through with worksheets and uh, Q&A and a lot of you know, specific tactical things that parents can do, the steps to choosing the right learning environment for your child, starting with doing that deep dive into your own educational experiences, then evaluating what you want for your child, what, you know, the important things to you that you know about your child, then talking about your priorities, then making a list, then visiting schools, um, then evaluating schools, and finally making a decision. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, I'm curious if micro schools, which I see popping up, uh, here and there. Are those schools that you talk about as well in the book? I think you may have found the one type of school <laughs> that, I have, that I have discovered in the last few months since the book closed <laughs> that I didn't include, but it'll be in the next version. I was just going to say, you're <clears throat> going to have to write another book. <laughs> seriously, or, or in an update. So as I've been as I wrote the book, I did as much research as I could about all that I didn't know and learned as much. And then the other day, uh, I started reading more about micro schools. And I said, how did I miss this? So the point that the book makes is that there is an incredible amount of diversity and variety in K-12 education is so true because 
there are different types of learning environments that you might not even be able to imagine when you're thinking about school and the concept of school. For sure. It sounds like an amazing book, and uh, I'd love for you to share with our listeners where they can learn more about you and also where they can purchase this book to help them through their own process and journey. Sure. Well, you can learn about School Choice Week at schoolchoiceweek.com. It's a fun celebration of all these different education options out there, and it's a time for parents who want to choose schools to start that process. That's schoolchoiceweek.com. You can find the book anywhere books are sold. You can ask for it, or you can go on Amazon. And the website for the book is schoolchoiceroadmap.com. Awesome. Well, Andrew, this was an incredible opportunity to talk about something so important in our world. I thank you so much for being here with me and sharing your incredible knowledge and wisdom with all our listeners. Well, that was very kind. And thank you so much, Sue. I appreciate it. Thank you to the listeners for joining us. And remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.
Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.